Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. Hi, everyone. How is your first week of July, first week of summer going? Well, maybe not quite as expected, but that's all right. You know, it's okay to feel a little uncertain, a little uneasy. And I think sometimes we just need help getting back on track. But what does that mean? So school is out, report cards have been coming in, and it's been interesting. Um, There's been a lot of talk about recovery learning. So on their report cards, the kids might have math and English and maybe science as recovery learning for the new school year in the fall. And I think parents and kids are going to be doing a lot of thinking about what going back to school will look like and what kind of catch-up kind of classes are going to happen and stress on the teachers too as well. So today we're going to talk Again, it's about children, but it's also about parents and adults too, about the mental health and wellness and what that looks like in the future. Uh, we'll meet some very interesting ladies. Founder of Kid Think, Karma Leshka, is hopefully joining us, but we know right now Joanne Unger is in the chat room ready to talk about Kid Think, and she's the clinical director. And we'll also have some wonderful ladies that will have a lot of information to share and just share their stories, because that's what we do on the Hue virtual chat. So let's open the doors and welcome all of our amazing ladies once again. Oh, wow. Oh, there's Carmen. Hey, hi. Good morning, everybody. Oh, Rana, it's great to see you. Amy, hello. Allie, great to see you too. Oh my goodness. Oh, and there's Charlotte. Thank you so much. Hey, Robin. How's it going? Good, I hope, yeah. Oh, and hi, Susie, great to have you back. Hey, and uh, Joanne, give a wave. I think uh, I can see you right there. Welcome, welcome to the huge chat. Hi, Carmen, it's so good to see you. And uh, wow, we've got a full house today and I think a lot to talk about. Um, first of all, I wanna welcome Carmen, Joanne, and Chelsea, who I think is just coming on. They're joining our group chat. Um, and just to sort of talk, I think a little bit right now about the state because school has just come, has finished, report cards came out. I read a little uh, article yesterday about um, a lot of the stress that is, you know, I don't think lessening for either the students or the parents. And uh, so anyways, I would like to introduce everybody to Carmen Leshka who is the founder of KidThink, and amongst other things, so many other wonderful organizations. I know you from the Upside Down Tree, and uh, we'll talk about that too. But first of all, Carmen, I guess the reason why you wanted to do something like KidThink, and why it's so important now. Well, it comes from my own personal experience. So I have two boys, 10 and 12, and my older one, was my challenge in the very beginning. And on a very early schooling stage, um, he just wasn't fitting in. Visiting the principal's office when he's five years old. Like, what's wrong with this kid? Um, So, but through a lot of trial and error, and finally finding a psychologist in New York that can work with us as parents, and as well as the school in a school environment, and with that collaborative approach, Um, We were able to, by grade two, have him still within the same school, making friends, having peers, and actually getting to grade level in reading and math and and different categories um, like that academically. And fast forward now, who he's going into grade seven, um, he actually thrived in the new school environment with COVID. But I would say that that has been a lot of hard work from parents and getting expert advice from psychologists and working together as a team with the school and with our family and our children together. So what does KidThink provide today? So what we're trying to do is take a similar model and take you know, psychologists, counselors that can help families with early intervention and prevention. So you might notice that your kid isn't maybe like the other 80%, and, but what do you do as a parent? 
and we're here to be the frontline resources that you can access immediately and get answers and then we can help you direct where you think that you might need whether you need an assessment for your child whether you need some coaching as a parent um, what 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 what's missing for you and how can we help and I think what one of the problems is not just in Manitoba but across the country is accessibility to these types of services mm -hmm. so we're building a team that is available whether it's virtually or whether it's in person and that's what we're all about how has the journey been for you Carmen as a parent and now <laughs> doing this kind of work but and I'm honestly, probably every parent that you talk to, you go, oh my God, yeah, <laughs> I know, I hear you. <laughs> well, you know, we're always learning. And what, what's really interesting is taking my own mother perspective and seeing a child who is struggling and seeing where he is now. And with COVID, adding a whole nother layer to what we're understanding and being at home. And I think one of the biggest messages, you know, as a parent that I could send, because I've seen success with this model for my children, even though they're missing their peers and friends, but the one consistent thing is family and being at home. And you can create that certainty and that consistency um, right there within your own home. And really it's a lot of modeling. So what I learned from my psychologist is how I'm talking to my child. So instead of saying, don't hit your brother, I say, keep your hands in a safe place. And getting the same message across, but saying in a more positive way. So acknowledging there are scary things going on in the world. And, you know, my kids still even talk about it. They read the news. But then it's just remembering, well, what do we have right now? We have our health and we have our family. And, and that's what's most important, building those core values that are really quite simple. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to introduce you now to Joanne Unger. She's a clinical director at KidThink. Uh, welcome, Joanne. Um, I guess from your point of view, what are the more main challenges you're finding with young kids? And I mean, this whole thing with, you know, young children having all of this angst and stress is stressful. Yeah, absolutely. It's stressful for everyone. I think one of the challenges we're seeing a lot is parents just having to juggle and balance so many aspects of their lives. Um, so children being at home, having to manage school, having to manage their social lives, having to manage their academics, their physical health, their well-being at a scale that we haven't, we've had support from school to do some of those pieces. And so while the schools have done, you know, a you know, really good job at trying to, in a short period of time, continue to provide some education and support to families at home, it's just not the same. Um, and so parents having to do all of those pieces on their own is, is super stressful and that, you know, as Carmen was mentioning, that dynamic is happening in the home. So when we're stressed out, you know, our children feel that and experience that as well. And so having, you know, one of the things that we've really tried to do at Kid Think over the last few months is try to get some information, skills, strategies, support to parents while they're at home because they are the main influence that they have on their children. And so we have, you know, tried to do some webinars, we've tried to do some blogs just to kind of get some of that information and that support out to parents so that they can, you know, do the best that we can, which is, which is what everyone really is doing is trying to, you know, adapt to a very changing environment. It continues to change. And I think that's one of the str very stressful things um, for kids and for parents is things are changing and they're changing ongoing and we're being inundated with a lot of information a lot of times and so it's hard to know always how to adapt and what's coming next and that uncertainty and that unknown about the future can be very stressful and so for parents having some skills for ourselves to be able to manage how we're doing and then we can create create that stability for our kids as best we can in providing them with role modeling as well as some structure and routine. Easier said than done, I say that a lot. Um, you know, we try to do the best that we can to provide those things for our kids, but you know, we're in a, we're in a tricky time now, again, uh, because school is now done. There's this, you know, some sense of relief for that in terms of we are, uh, we, those, those requirements maybe that we have felt to have our children 
complete certain tasks in a certain time has been lifted, yet at the same time now maybe there's a lack of structure. And while, you know, summer we would have felt a little bit differently in, in previous years, because now we've had them at home, you know, since March, as opposed to um, just starting out with that. So having, you know, activities and things that for our kids to do, camps aren't maybe running like they were, uh, daycare may be hard to get at. And so it's, it's kind of continuing with some of the same things that we've had to for a while, which can be stressful in everyone. Well, it's hard to believe all this. I just want to get a few more ladies in here. So speaking of education, tutoring. Wow. I mean, I thought that this would be booming. So I want everybody to meet Chelsea Arns, and she's from Tutor Bright. And Chelsea, I guess this has taken a little bit of a different turn, right, in terms of tutoring and mentoring. Yeah, I mean, when um, COVID first came out and they first announced that schools were going to close early for spring break, um, and then three weeks later, they discussed that schools were going to close indefinitely. I think a lot of people thought, oh, well, your business is going to be booming. Everybody's going to need a tutor. But it was actually quite the opposite. Um, our business was nowhere near it would have been um, if none of this had ever happened. Because towards the end of the year, parents and students are preparing for exams and they're preparing for final tests. And with COVID and school closures and everything moving to online, um, provincial examinations stopped, right? All the big tests um, those, those didn't happen for, for most students. Um, they had a lot of assignments and things like that, but a lot of the pressure was off as well. Parents were losing their jobs. Um, they were a little bit more concerned with finances and, um, and they also kind of thought, well, you know what, everyone's moving to online. We're going to see if we can figure it out on our own. Parents were home more, um, you know, extracurriculars, those were all canceled. Everybody had a little bit more time. Um, so in terms of, um, business, um, March, April, May, it, it definitely wasn't what it would have been. Um, that said, our summer is picking up more, a little bit more heavier than it has been in recent years. Usually summer is a time for people to just take a break from school, relax, get to the cottage, go camping, take vacation. That's not happening as much um, this summer. A lot of parents are thinking, well, we've already had a break and we need to get back on the education bandwagon. So we're having uh, a busier summer, um, which is good because summer learning loss is a big thing for students. Every year, students um, lose quite a bit of reading skills and math skills over the summer. Um, with the summer brain drain, they're just not being actively engaged um, with their learning as much, unless parents are you know, keeping it up. Um, so the summer brain drain coupled with COVID-19 and school closures and all the disruptions throughout the year, that is a concern um, for students. That, in addition to, you know, everything else they've got going on with um, loss of infrastructure, with, you know, their regular peer groups and their extracurriculars and their camps, as you said. So there's definitely a lot of, a lot of pressure on parents and on students right now. So I wanted to ask you quickly, Chelsea. So there was something in this article, and, we, and you touched on, it's called Recovery Learning that was on the on children's report card. So it was, you know, where they were lacking. And it's not because, uh, you know, it's not it, because of all those factors. You know, there were some kids that did really good online and they excelled. But, you know, it's those that, you know, their parents were working full time, you know, they didn't have the adequate infrastructure. So, you know, really, what does that mean? And then they're talking about going back in September and it's, uh, um, uh, let me see. This, it's uh, responsive learning. And in my sense, the, what, they, what I got from the article, it was catch up. You know, it's like, okay, quickly, let's, it's in response to the lack of what happened in the last, you know, four or five months that there was no school. It's responsive and reacting. And parents are going, so why are you quickly teaching stuff that is, wasn't properly taught in the first place? And how is that all going to fit? And then that's maybe where hopefully, you know, some sort of tutoring and mentoring, right, could come in. Yeah, absolutely. So I think with the, the response of learning, so typically, like if we didn't have COVID, usually teachers spend about the first six weeks of every new school year, like getting caught up and... Okay. Um, getting students um, sort of like reviewing stuff from the previous grade and, and catching up because of summer learning loss. Um, and so this year that will probably be even more profound as well as you said, a lot of students 
based on, you know, what they had going on at home or um, what their parents were able or not able to do for whatever reason in terms of helping them academically, because let's face it, parents never got any training on how to be an online school teacher or online school parent. So parents did the best as they could with having to work from home or having new financial struggles and having all these new pressures. But I think what they mean and um, with a lot of the teachers and EAs that I've spoken to is that in the fall, they're going to be kind of assessing where every student is at so that they can kind of adapt where they're at and help fill in any gaps. Mm -hmm. um, the worry that I have for the students who, you know, maybe didn't get the tutoring or uh, parents aren't as able to help academically for whatever reason is that those students are just going to keep falling further and further down the cracks, right? Like it'll take longer for them to catch up, but then what happens next grade, right? They're still expected to know all of those learning outcomes for that grade level. And then the year after that. And so that is definitely where tutoring and mentorship can definitely come in. Um, with TutorBright, we help students get caught up. We help them get ahead. Um, we help on the Canadian curriculum. But the really amazing part about our program is it doesn't just stop the tutoring. We have a very heavy mentorship component involved where the tutor we match to each student is based on that student's personality, based on their communication style, based on their goals, based on, you know, what, what they need in terms of a mentor. So the type of encouragement, the type of praise. Um, and if you think about it as adults, anytime we're navigating through a difficult relationship or a difficult job, there's always, a, you know, someone we can bring in to talk to about it, like a coach or a mentor, or I mean, for me, I have a, a, a business mentor that has helped me tremendously. Um, and we don't have that same infrastructure for our children, but we should. Um, so at least that's what with TutorBright, our students each have a mentor who's also their tutor, um, who can help them navigate through some of these issues. Yeah. Ladies, if you have anything you want to add, you know, please jump in anytime. <laughs> and I encourage, especially um, Carmen, and Joanne and Chelsea and Allie to write down your websites, you know, for the organizations that you re uh, represent, because all of these ladies here sitting here can definitely do a great networking. Robin, you've been quiet. <laughs> Is that unusual? <laughs> uh, all right, so about all the kids. Oh my God. I mean, uh, how do, we need to get back on track, but I don't know what that looks like. Uh, if I knew that, I'd be worth a lot of money right now. But um, I think one of the things I've seen, I've been um, talking to people in mental health, like kind of a, across a range of countries, and there's some really cool, like, um, peer programs being set up for kids with older kids. So it's a bit like what you were saying, Chelsea, about setting up mentors, but um, utilising, like, older kids. I was just talking to some people in rural Australia where the very high um, Indigenous population, very high issues with kids attending school anyway, let alone kind of in this environment. And they've started setting up like older kids, supporting the younger kids and working and we're working with them at the moment to kind of look at how we can make that a bigger process and, and look at that. There's places in Canada that do that really successfully as well. And it's just, if we can broaden that, I think we have a really good shot because I, I think it's the collaboration. I think it's the teachers, the tutors, like I think it's the clinical kind of people and it's also people who have lived and breathed it themselves. And that's the same when Carmen was talking about the family stuff. I love that piece where we get families talking to other families. So we get that clinical piece in, but then that, here's where we live and breathe it and feel it every day. And, like, I've been a step-parent, uh, you know, I, like I haven't been, you know, a parent-parent. I didn't birth anyone. But, like, I'm still connected with him and talking to him about what he's doing now and how much that kind of support helped when he was a kid because he was part of a peer-to-peer -peer mentoring program. And so I think... There's a place now where we actually, I don't, I don't know if anyone's going to be courageous enough to do it, but there's a place where we can look and go, is what we're teaching actually the most relevant? Is what people actually need for life? Because, like, we've got this environment now where, you know, some kids are great online and some kids aren't, and 
And what are we actually teaching our kids to set them up for the future? Is our curriculum what we really want it to be for life skills? Or are we still teaching stuff because we've always taught it? And so I think I would love to see us really take a look at that now because of this environment and go, what is it that kids need for their future? Maybe it's not the same as what we're teaching now, but that'll be a brave, that'll be someone brave doing that. But, um, yeah, I just, I think if, if we can all collaborate together, because I think there's so many little pieces that, like, fit like a jigsaw puzzle. I don't know if that made sense, but, you know, I just chat. No, um, actually, it does make a lot of sense, and I'm sure all of you ladies too. I mean, you've, you've heard uh, moms or, or, or dads, whatever, doing, you know, life skills like baking or cleaning or, you know, just doing any kind of those things. And actually our son the other night said that, I don't know how to do anything. So he said, I don't, I want to learn. He says, I want to I paint the bathroom and I, you know, I'm not going to hire a painter. So I don't know. I I, I, th I think you're right on the mark, Robin, but it's going to take a mountain to move that. But, you know, Can I jump in there, Tracy? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, what you're talking about, Robin, it's, uh, those are really, really great points. And uh, one of the things it reminded me of is a program that we've uh, purchased a license to. It actually comes from Australia. It's called Friends Resilience. <laughs> Um, and uh, we're really excited about it. It was developed uh, by Dr. Paula Barrett, a psychologist there, and it's really some really basic mental health strategies both for across the ages. So it's not about, you know, if you, everyone has mental health. So that's something that I think we, we like to teach is that just like we all have physical health, we all have mental health and we need to, and I think, you know, if there are silver, silver linings around COVID awareness about how we all have mental health and we all have to work on this, maybe one of them. Um, and so we're really excited about this Friends Resilience Program because it's teaching our children and parents and adults how to manage and help ourselves develop some of those skills. Now, it's not like baking or painting or, you know, some of those practical things, which we absolutely are very important and, and want to teach our kids on, on how to do some of those skills for life. Uh, very important. And these are, but these are skills for mental health wellness of our life. So being able to, um, you know, manage our emotions, pay attention to our thoughts, have some relaxation, take care of our bodies, what we eat, exercise, have good relationships in our life, have people in our life that match our values, to have role models. So lots of themes that people have been talking about already um, in this program. And so we were lucky enough through um, one of our funders to be able to uh, share with uh, parents, uh, have some free access to this program. Um, one through uh, Dr. Barrett actually produced a short version that parents could do at home. So the, the program is really designed to be used in schools. So in collaboration with schools, right in the classroom for all kids. And of course, schools were closed. So she developed a video that was specifically parents could do with their children at home, a shorter version. And so we were able to give some of those to parents uh, who wouldn't be able to have access to those otherwise. And then we want to offer some of the in-group with, with safety protocols, of course, uh, for COVID in place in August to help some parents prepare uh, for school and that next transition. So we're, we have so many transitions this year. It's, it's, I don't know what we're going to say about 2020 in the future, um, but we're really excited about that to be partnering with some school divisions um, to be able to offer some of those other ways of, of other important skills in terms of managing our mental wellness. Joanne, can I jump in really quickly? That sounds awesome and I love it. But please, guys, don't forget the component of people who live and breathe it every day. Don't forget that peer component because those programs are awesome. And I think if we can add something like that with people who are living and breathing and getting through it every day, you have the most amazing combination and imagine 
what you can do with that. So I, I think um, one of the things I love about peer support is the engagement of being able to go, oh, yeah, that was a shitty, shitty day. Oh, sorry for swearing. I'm Australian. I'm going to say it's that. Um, but, oh, I had to do this. And sometimes taking those, like, clinical programs and then having people talk about, oh, here's how I made it work in my life is the extra key that sometimes parents and kids and even adults don't get. And when they get it, it makes the hugest difference. But it is actually incorporated, Robin. The, the Friends Resilience has that incorporated. So it involves parents, it involves teachers, it involves role models. You sometimes have graduates who've done the program come back and do it. Yeah, so it's, it's embedded within it. And it's, it's not an intervention or necessary. Like, uh, it, it's a it's prevention right so in that sense we are all lived experience because we all have mental health but certainly for for the intervention piece um, that that is something very important as well and, and I know that the, the good work that you do hey so I'm gonna switch it down to Ali Ali you now uh, represent the upside down tree foundation so tell us a little bit more on what the upside down tree is all about yeah perfect can you hear me well today in here New computer, super exciting. Um, so yeah, I am here over at the Upside Down Tree. The Upside Down Tree is honestly their mission, their value, and their belief is something that I was raised up in, and it's really, it's really found, um, it's really like found what I kind of believe in, and then found a place that that has it and structures it and thrives off of it. So what is what it is is, is amazing for me, and um, I believe that the same belief that the upside down tree has may have been the same belief that I've always had my whole life. And somehow they kind of inter interconnected. So the upside down tree is a charity which Carmen founded in 2014. And um, when Carmen was, ever since she was little, she um, wanted to give back. And um, the upside down tree is a team of wonderful innovators and wonderful who understand that we all have the power to change the world, but that none of us can do it alone. So um, that's huge. And that right there, that statement just blows me away because that's really big for me. Um, I was always wanting to help the world and change the world overnight and had to be constantly reminded by my mom, you can't fix everyone and you can't fix everything overnight. So being in a position where I'm able to provide other charities and like-minded charities or startup charities, small charities, or charities with a really inspiring vision that we need more of in our community. If I'm able to help them expand their root support system, then by all means, I'm helping save the world on my, on my part. So I'm still doing what I've always wanted to do. And here at the Upside Down Tree, what we do is um, not only do we get to expand and we get to meet our community, we get to thrive with our community because that's what we do. We're right there in the community helping people out, but we're also working really close with KidThink. So we get to see firsthand all these all these initiatives that are incredibly important and why we need charities like Upside Down Tree to be able to hold that foundation, provide extra support. So I think it's been, it's been really, really fantastic for me. And um, I think this place and their mission and their beliefs and the value of it is something that I hold really dear to my heart. And I think I'll be able to, to flourish quite a lot here with, with the same belief. Oh, well, we're so happy for you. Because in this day and age, right, it's, uh, it's, you know, one thing to say that you love your job, but it's another thing that you have a passion for it. And uh, I know that you'll be, you'll be awesome. So joining Carmen's team. Carmen, quickly, and maybe Joanne, I just wondered, um, are you involved at all with Project 11? Um, yes. Yes, we are in collaboration with them. Part of KidThink's mission is we are a clinic. People can come to us mm -hmm. on an individual basis, but just as important is our outreach component where we want to be um, in the schools with other organizations that are out there giving mental health support to our community members. And I think the third tier on top of that is, you know, the research component because everything that we deliver both internally and externally is evidence-based and we want to make sure we're using the best evidence-based approach. So we also have ties with the Children's Hospital here in Manitoba with uh, sick kids in Ontario, um, you know, across the globe basically with the best minds. We've also partnered with Child Mind in New York 
where you know my experience originated from and I want to take a similar approach but doing that here in Canada yeah because like yeah the whole mental health issue too with young kids is is really important and it's really coming more into the forefront they are future, and I just wanted to say one other thing to um, on Allie with her mission there. It's not always about financial support as well. It's the emotional, it's the human interaction. It's someone's been thinking about you and your organization. Someone's recognized um, what you've done. And I just had a call with, um, with a doctor yesterday. If the world could just live with more just love and forgiveness and togetherness, uh, we could you know, that's where we thrive as humans and where we get our energy. So we just want to take that passion, uh, which is more than just financial passion. It's physical, mental, um, the whole wholeheartedness of it. Well, and that's been so... Um, Can I just chime in too, yeah. Tracy? Yeah. Just another piece to that to build off of what Carver's already saying that piece in general is the pure, the peer support piece, right? That is my peer support piece. So my emotional giving and my physical giving and, and helping them as a community, that part of for me is my peer support piece because I know what they're going through. They're, they're seeking more than just finance. They're seeking, they want to change the world just like everybody else wants to change the world. So for me to be able to provide that, it has that, that little piece of peer support that, that I thrive off of so very much. And, um, and I really enjoy. Oh, well, thank you. Hey, Tracy, can I, can I just ask something? Um, Carmen, I have, um, I, I'm renowned for these things called respectful challenges. My respectful challenges don't always look at evidence-based because you can create the evidence with what you do. So sometimes we have to take a leap to actually create the evidence that becomes evidence-based. So... I, um, I encourage you in, in what you do to also take a gamble on some stuff sometimes and become the evidence because I think I can see the passion and so, like, go for it. You, you guys with Kid Think and um, you have the ability to go after some of that and show the world that Canada rocks. So don't always look outside of Canada because I think the passion here like I'm getting goosebumps like you can go after showing the world there's something else as well so I love hearing that because I'm the creative thinker of our team I am not the clinician <laughs> and you know that's where things where my passions come like art therapy or music how all these other different life skills can provide these things and I'm letting my child who's now 12 you know, lead me some ways to see how he's had success. And he's, he's challenges me all the time. Mom, why can't I use a calculator? First of all, what's the point of math? You know, and I'm trying to tell him, well, it's worldwide experiences. And, you know, if you're in an executive meeting and you're sitting there on your calculator and, you know, you should have these mental math strategies. And he's challenging things and how we're learning things all the time, which I love because, you know, they're living it. And I see how he's... By having his own passions, he's still thriving. He's he can still have social interactions, and that's what you know. That's I, I love that you said that because I love finding these alternative ways of doing things, and it doesn't always have to be you know what we've said before. Um, so that's why I always keep the clinicians on their toes <laughs> and like to throw other things out there. And, and honestly, I just have the benefit now of living with the child and, and multiple children. I have three other children uh, to see how everyone can develop and maybe it doesn't have to be so rigid like we've been doing things for so many decades and, and centuries and uh, my son would also do a very good program on that why the school system is the way it is and when you look back at the history of it you know it's to train people working in factories that's why we're sitting in these types of environments so um, it's great to see evolution, and I agree with that, that it's not always evidence-based. Let's create the evidence. Thank you for that. It's one of the core values, actually, of KidThink is to be innovative. So we, we certainly want to, we want to start there, and we want to do it well, um, and, and we do have some evidence, but that's, 
that's the goal of science is to move it forward and, and to move it forward and providing the most effective ways possible. And sometimes that means taking a leap and, and just showing what we're doing and, and trying to do it well. So we are working on with partners uh, in the research industry in, in uh, Manitoba already um, and, and trying to work on, on helping to expand it uh, as well as, as provide good service, uh, good quality service to families. So I'm going to throw it out there, ladies. Is it, can we then just take maybe our own liberty to be a little bit more creative with our children? And I mean, I know some of us have grown up children, Charlotte, you and me, but um, they still ask questions. Um, you know, spilling off on what Robin said and what Carmen is doing. And uh, yeah, you're just your thoughts. And then Amy, I'm going to ask you, you just did a great presentation the other day, and you had a wonderful guest on, Natalie uh, Romer Anderson. And there is, well, I guess it, you would call it two words. I call it one word, self-sovereignty. And that's my takeaway from, from that whole thing, uh, finding the true meaning of it. And I think then Rana can answer to that. Susie can answer to that. I'm sure all of you can. But Amy, if you can just kind of chime in on what, your takeaway was on self-sovereignty, what Natalie described it as. Um, well, for me, I think it's just kind of coming back into your own power, right? And really, um, I wouldn't say ignore, but um, coming back to your own space where you feel comfortable and setting parameters and setting boundaries um, and really realizing um, when you say yes to something or when you're saying no to something, what are you saying yes to? And that, that was my biggest takeaway. And that's something that kind of keeps me in line and in check whenever I say no to something, then what am I saying yes to myself, right? And finding that balance. And then just to add, I think um, for even my mental health and for my daughter's mental health, I think we put kind of school on the back burner, I would say. Um, I mean, she's graduated, she's going to grade four with not having to complete the entire uh, curriculum, which is fantastic. And I think that was the, the challenge during COVID was um, letting go of those expectations of what they're supposed to do. What am I supposed to do as a parent, right? Am I supposed to sit down with her from eight to five and not do any work? Um, so that was like the, the challenge for me. And I think for with Chelsea, I want to ask Chelsea if, um, if it is needed to kind of catch up, like what grades are more susceptible to like catching up? Would you say kindergarten to grade five? Maybe we can kind of just leave them on the back burner and give them a, um, a nice break throughout the summer. Or is it more so like um, the high school students that we really need to focus on and get them prepared? Mm -hmm. So really great questions. I love the conversation that's going on. Um, and Amy, uh, to answer your question, then after I want to also mention something else about some additional programs we're doing. But I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you really got to take in the consideration is, okay, what is best for me and my child right now? Our children are our mirrors. And if we are sitting at the table with them for four or five hours, totally frustrated, like, you know, feeling pressure because we don't know what we're teaching them and we're just struggling through it. I mean, that is the time to stop and take a break and go, okay, really, do we really need to do this worksheet right now? Are we going to be able to pick this up and, you know, whenever, uh, next term or whatever. Um, so definitely there are some key things in the curriculum that you just want your child to know because when they do go back to school, whether they're, you know, in the classroom full-time or part-time or whatever, children spend all of their time, um, usually anyways, in the classroom. We want them to be confident. And so we want them to at least be able to, you know, if they're in grade five, they should know their multiplication. They should have that memorized and, and no strategies for doing multiplication going I think that one of the big transitions is going from grade three into grade four we want to make sure that our children are really strong readers and that they can now um, you know write in full sentences and, and write in paragraph writing the next big transition is going from grade six into grade seven because the expectations typically change right so we want to make sure again that just those basic skills are are down um, and I think that if if your child is coming home feeling like or telling you that they need extra help and extra practice and they're confused, they don't know what they're doing. I think that's, a, you know, more of a time to be concerned. Um, and then in high school, of course, but it depends on what 
the student wants to do after. If they have big goals and aspirations to go into university and they want to do, you know, a, a chemist degree or a, or a math degree, then yeah, they need to have that subject matter down pretty well. That one of the bigger things that I'm finding is the executive functioning skills. So with students not being in the classroom and not having their teachers check on them and, you know, mark their assignments before they whatever, hand things in before they leave for the day, um, making sure that our, your children just have certain routines or know how to um, organize and, and plan so that whether they take a job, a part-time job or go into university or start their own business or whatever, those life skills that are the executive functioning skills, those are really important right now. Um, and towards the end of the school year, towards May and June, uh, they were only finding that 30% uh, of students were actually actively engaged and showing up to the classes and handing in things. And sometimes the students were doing the work, but they just weren't clicking submit, um, which then goes and adds to like the, the anxiety that they, they might have felt. But yeah, so I would say, you know, there's certain some key points in the curriculum that your child should be strong and confident in. But whether they cover every little thing, that probably isn't, you know, the, the part of the big picture right now. Um, and I do want to say, just to add, uh, that Tutor Bright over the summer, we are offering some really amazing free online courses for students. We've got a leadership camp starting. We have a public speaking course starting. Um, we have a course on diversity and inclusion. So just, um, you know, what Robin and, um, was saying about changing that curriculum a little bit and um, what our students maybe need to be learning, um, whether at home or in school or through their peers or whatever, those are some really uh, great free options over the summer that uh, Tutor Bright is offering. You can check those out on our on our website or on our Instagram pages. Aw. That's a big thing. <laughs> Rana, how are you doing? Oh, you're muted still. Oh, Hi, guys. Hello. Oh, so much. Um, Hi, Chelsea. I've been watching you on social media and uh, you're just a, you're just a little rock star. You're just really, uh, you know, you're doing a great job. Um, Thank you. Know, that's what Amy was saying. I'm trying to step into my power. So you're, you're, you're doing <laughs> social it. Media. And, and I'll say um, I'm actually finding it quite inspiring. So I hope everyone who's kind of watching her social media and all that she's doing, and I can see that you're doing a lot of new pro projects. Um, Oops, a bit lagging there. Oh, you're frozen there, Rana. Maybe Susie, I'll get you to chime in and then I'm sure she'll pop back in. Ah, there's the button. Yes. Um, how am I doing? Uh, I'm at the lake with the yes. kids again, which is a good thing. Um, report cards came in the mail. I didn't even look at them, to be honest with you. My husband looked at them. Yeah, I said, is there anything I need to know? Any surprises? He's just like, no. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, I, uh, I really let a lot of things go in the last three and four months. And I feel like I said that in our last conversation, but honestly, my, my brain and my level of anxiety and able to focus and all those things are just, they're not good right now. And I don't know anybody who can say they are good. Uh, and feel confident in that answer, but I'm just going to be totally transparent and say, I don't feel good about it right now. Uh, some days I do better than others. Um, today is one of those days. I find that when we have our, our, our show, you know, our call, I do much better. Um, but other days I am actually decompressing from this one hour, you know, like it's a lot to be in front of people and to even just formulate a thought sometimes about even a question or a topic that I have an answer to in my head. And um, I'm so grateful to be with the kids and for them to be outside and to be swimming and to just be getting some sunshine and being carefree children. And um, I'm still making my daughter do some of her assignments so that she didn't get finished. So she said, Mama, but it's summer break. And I said, is it though, if you didn't finish all of your assignments? So we're gonna do them for fun over the next few weeks and uh, I'll sit with her while we do it or whatever. But um, yeah, I am just looking forward to the summer of slow and maybe a bit quiet. I'm nowhere near back to normal. I'm not looking to go anywhere with people, to be in crowds, 
to do anything like that. I'm going to be keeping my circle and my bubble really small and wearing my mask and keeping my family healthy and safe. Those are my number one priorities. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's you. That's Susie. And, and, um, and I think that's, and we talked about this too, that I've just learned that everybody's level of comfort is so different, but we have to accept and respect that. Um, nobody is right and nobody's wrong. Everybody's journey is so, so different. I would, I would love to be a peer supporter, but I feel that I, I haven't had the lived experience, but I can feel all the emotion and all the pain. But it is, uh, it's heartbreaking. You know, and last night somebody posted, a person in my Facebook group, or sorry, Facebook feed posted that, um, like, she's really lonely right now. Like, you know, she's with her family, she's with her kids, but she's just lonely. She misses getting together with people. She misses going places and she misses having events and, you know, all this stuff. And it's just like, I totally get that. And I think that that is an underlying feeling that a lot of us have, but maybe haven't been able to articulate. And that's kind of what I said to her. And it's like this whole um, getting back to normal. And for me, it feels like rushing in my personal, you know, emotional state. It feels like we're rushing back to normal. And I think that is because a lot of us are lonely. And for people who don't have, you know, uh, partners or spouses or people that they live with that they can feel, you know, uh, connected to, how does that loneliness manifest for other people? And there's a deep longing and an aching to, to be connected and to be with other people. And, you know, even if you don't know them, just to be in that communal setting, right? We're human, we're social creatures, right? So I think there's a lot of that palpable loneliness that is going on right now. And I think that, you know, we need to be, as we always say, just need to be gentle, like you said, with everybody's journey and everybody's experience is different. And honestly, like I say, I think every week <laughs> that sometimes my comfort level changes hour to hour, you know, and some days I'm good with something and some days I am not good with it at all. So, you know, well, yeah, yeah we'll come back to you on that, but um, we're still in okay, we got you now. You kind of froze there, but very beautiful. You froze very beautiful, Rana. Oh, did I? Yeah, the hair looked great. Okay. Thank you. I'll be completely blunt. I got a cut two days ago and I haven't washed a tent. So that's, do you want to talk about mental health and you want to talk about how people are feeling, um, how people are surviving? I'm that, that person right now, you know, and I know that Susie and uh, Tracy this morning for me were, were, were a great source of support. I was just done. You know, I was like, I can't even, you know, I just, I'm so tired. I'm so emotionally drained. I'm grieving. I'm, you know, it's just all these things and it's so flipping hard. You know, it is so hard and I don't know if it's just everything com compounded or, or what it is. Um, but just on a personal note, you know, like I, I, I think that, um, I think peer support comes in different ways, you know, and I think that perhaps that some, uh, you really gotta, you know, and, and I hope people have at least one or two people in their, in their world that they can call in times of, you know, they need a voice of reason. They need that person to tell them to just sit down, take a nap, go watch some Netflix, just stop for, for a few hours. And, um, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have that, but I do know people who don't have that. And kind of speaking to what Susie said, there's people out there who just don't have that support, um, you know, and I don't know. You don't know what anyone else is going through. Um, but I really just want to touch upon what, what Robin said and what kind of um, I know that Carmen had said and um, I know Joanne had talked about uh, just in terms of like just, the educational system and I think everyone kind of touched upon it you know I know for law I know for different organizations and in different industries it is pure disruption right and I think that uh in my in my world and I know both my my sister and my brother-in-law are both teachers and we talk about this in our house quite often um there is just there's a complete disruption of the educational quote-unquote industry right like it is and I think that um, it's a great opportunity right now. Um, I, I'm not a, you know, I don't believe that um, how things have been going have really led us to a, the, the greatest place because I think that there's really 
massive components of how to live in the world with different people and understand different people's history, um, you know, has, um, I don't know why this keeps happening. Um, but I think that there's a lot of things that are happening that we just haven't maybe talked about. I've been doing a lot of inclusive, and I, I seriously, I hate the terms, but uh, inclusivity and diversity training myself. And I, I just, I'm, I'm mind blowing sometimes. Like I'm just baffled by how much people just don't know. Right. And I think that even as adults, we don't know. So, um, you know, where, where do we put that component? Like where are people supposed to be learning that part? And maybe it's, you know, that really aggressive integration um, of, you know, your, your, your history. And uh, I know somebody talked about, you know, how to be a good person, how to be a, you know, a good human being and how to be giving. Um, those are, those need to be really aggressively incorporated into that educational system, like fast, <laughs> because the world's not waiting, right? Like, frankly, people aren't, we're not protesting on the streets because we're going to wait for people to understand how to be, you know, understanding and normal or, um, you know, not biased or not whatever. Uh, so that, that, so I, what I see in education is very much what I see in law as well. You know, um, there's an complete disruption. I welcome the disruption. Like I'm, yes, now it's time to disrupt it and let's be uh, much more inclusive and much more understanding, not saying that the educational system currently is not, um, but I, I know for, at least for my industry. Um, but you know, you guys are, it's, it's a great conversation. I've been off for a while, uh, just dealing with my own, you know, we're all dealing with our own stuff, but um, it was a really great conversation. And, you know, Carmen and Joanne, like I didn't know much about what you guys did. So it was really nice to hear uh, about Kid Think and, you know, and Ali is good to see you guys again. So well, it's fine. Good to see you. That was my mouthful as fast as possible before I got pieced out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just freeze, but you freeze very well. Um, so Charlotte, sorry, I know, but you're such a great listener and that's part of what you do. Um, you know, momager. I, you know, sorry for the meltdown, but I mean, just listening to everybody and, you know, but we are like the children see us. And so if we are not well, then how can our children be well? Is that true? But well, Kirsten and I talk a lot about the parallel process um, between family members and individuals that are struggling with mental health challenges. So that's always something to be very, very mindful of. Um, one of the things that's keep swirling around in my head is that um, part of Robbins and my peer support training, we actually call it exploration facilitator because what we do as a peer support is really help individuals explore what works for them and um and that was one of the big messages that i got um when my daughter was really struggling is that our family didn't fit into the norm and didn't fit into the box um, she, uh, we homeschooled sarah and uh it was a really great experience for her back then but it's just when families are being told you know take this course you should do this or that and it's not working um that's when that feeling of, you know, I don't have any hope, it's not working, like, and that's where that peer support piece that what Kirsten and I do for families is so important and so critical. Um, I can't talk enough about it. Um, we've got our family support group tomorrow night online. You can go to our website, robinpriest.com, to find out more about it. Um, and uh, shout out to Amy, one of our peer support worker. She's done our training. She's doing amazing things in the CRC. I'm so proud of you, Amy. I can't talk enough about it. And it's just, um, peer support is just that one more piece to the mental health story. And, uh, and it's becoming more strong. But I just, I would love to have you, Tracy, on our course. We're starting two in the fall. <laughs> you have a spot. You're more than welcome to join it. And uh, you offer so much. And um, that peer support piece, like we have um, peers in the oil fields that what their peer support is, what it's like to work in oil fields. We have peers that are pilots and it's all about what it's like to be a pilot. It's not always about mental illness. It's about what your life is all about. Um, and the more we can talk about it, um, you know, that's the key to it. So I, I encourage you to consider it. It's a time commitment. It's, uh, you know, 20 sessions of two hours a session, but I know you would love it. Wow. Robin, you're going to add? <laughs> I actually want, I want, I wanted to respond to what Tracy asked about parents having to have it together. Now, one of the things is, like, we actually have to start talking about mental health. 
and mental health on a continuum and we have to be real. So I think like sometimes we try and not like have a response to something, but what are we teaching our kids if we do that? We're teaching them that they, they can't be in a particular place. And I think there's a fine line with it, right? I think you don't want to have a massive meltdown and have, you know, your kids like, oh, but you want to be real. And um, I hope it's okay. I'm going to like share something that's just happened to me recently that says I want us to be real, like with everyone. So um, June 21st, my brother died by suicide and I couldn't attend his funeral. And so I did a Facebook live feed talking about we need to start talking. We need to start talking about how people are feeling like before they get to the place where they, you know, die by suicide. We also as families need to talk about when that happens, that it happened instead of that shame and guilt and let's not talk about it. So when you're talking about do I have to have it together or I, I think if we can have real conversations with our kids that go, yeah, sometimes feelings are intense. Like I feel it, this COVID impacting me, this not having a job, it's impacting me, not to the point where we send them over the edge, but like being real because that's life. And part of what I want to see us do with kids is is have kids get some of those resiliency skills and be in some of those conversations so that when stuff turns up as kids or as adults, they've actually had some of those conversations. I think we're missing those by sometimes trying to be too stoic and not allow kids to see that life actually impacts us. So I think like, if we can have real conversations, I think we have a better shot at the future. I love what you just said. Um, I had an amazing therapist. I, I'm still going through it, but a separation and, you know, how that impacts your children. And one of the things is I'd get letters from lawyers. Don't, she's an unfit mother because she's cried in front of the children. And I think it's pretty important that the kids can see that I'm being true to myself there are things that suck about separated parents and it's going to be hard on you as kids. It's going to be hard on me as a mother, on your father. And I had a very good therapist that said, you don't have to lie to your kids. You don't have to keep everything inside and you can share those experience with them. And, you know, we have a joke now um, where the kids go, are you crying? Are you crying mom? And it's now a funny, silly thing, but they know, like I was honest with them you know, I'm not going to see you for a week. I'm upset because you kids, you know, make me happy and joyful. And so then it got to a point where I don't want them stressed because they're not with me. That doesn't mean that I'm not happy either, but just very honest conversations that I've had with the kids that I can see their resilience through it. I see my resilience through it being a stronger mother and, you know, role model for them. But we talked about those feelings and emotions, which I think you know, has, has really helped me grow as a, as a mother, as a friend, as a sympathetic, you know, human for others um, in the world. So I love what you're saying there. Be more honest with how you're feeling because everyone goes through those feelings and we don't need to hide them all the time. So true. Yeah, Anybody else? True. Oh, well, I was just going to, you know, Carmen turn, your, saying, and I, I turn your audio up. Um, or maybe talk closer to your speaker. I'm not too sure. What Ellie Helper? <laughs> Is it not working? There, that's better. Okay. That's better. Um, you know, the one thing that I, because I'm known for being in mental health, a lot of my daughter's friends come and chat with me. And so just that added piece that if it's not working at home to have open and honest conversations, um, you know, find a different outlet as well because that's hugely important because some some parents just don't understand it and some children don't understand it too but it like open up and um and I'm having more and more kids well young adults come and talk to me about wanting to take peer support because they're supporting so many of their friends 
as well. And, and there's a difference too between be, being a friend and, and doing peer support. So we always have to be mindful of that because I mean, I have my friends and then I have those who I'm supporting as well, but just something else to think about. And, uh, uh, no, thanks Charlotte. Yes, Ali. Um, so I'm going to come at this kind of from a perspective of me being um, somebody who lives with mental illness, you know, a long list of mental illness diagnoses. So um, for, for myself, and I actually talked about this one time on a panel with Carmen when we were talking about how the mom's kind of reflection or the parent caregiver's reflection can have a role on the child. And um, for myself, my mom always was very honest with me from the get-go, from day one. Um, you know, like this isn't payday week, so we actually can't afford to do that or um, just those blunt conversations of mom can I come in the, in the washroom in, into the washroom no because mom's having a cry right now so understanding why she was having a cry and understanding the reasons of why she was having a cry or why she was stressed out was really important for me because if I feel like for example I live with borderline personality disorder so if I feel like I'm a burden on my mother um, which happens a lot because I'm I'm turning 26 and I heavily rely on my mother all day long she is my caregiver so um if I see her being upset or expressing those kind of emotions during a time where maybe I be I am in distress or I'm going through an episode then I'll associate her emotions with feeling stressed because of me, feeling stressed because of that burden. So having the conversation and pulling apart, these are emotions because of my life stressors. And these are not emotions because of your life stressors. I'm here to support you. I'm not feeling that burden. I'm not feeling like this is so much to take on. Or, you know, Ali, this is, this is your life. You're living with this. It's not hurting me. I'm supporting you. So having that comprehensive understanding of the two different things was was and is still incredibly beneficial in my life as I grow up and you know I see my mom if I see her hurting I'm like oh no it better not be because it's something I'm struggling with and I don't want to have that stress on me but being open and her saying no you know like this is going on in my life or this is going on and, and I said that's okay to cry then and cry it out as long as it's not on me but I think it's just really important that we have those conversations and those discussions and making sure that they understand that life is real. It's not sugar-coated and it's not going to be handed to you and um, that we that we have to feel certain things. And, and, you know, crying is a form of healing. So if you can, then cry it out. <laughs> oh, thanks, Allie. Uh, Susie, anything? <laughs> you know what? I... Um... I, I obviously agree with a lot of the points that are that are made here today, and um, I hope that moving forward we can look at things with a bit more empathy and a bit more compassion, and not just you know in our personal lives, but even in our professional lives, and even you know in the school system too. I think that there are a lot of um, messages that we get that we are supposed to fit in certain, uh, like, you know, square pegs and round holes and all those things. We're supposed to conform. We're supposed to fit this way. We're supposed to do that way. And I mean, have we not seen with this pandemic and with everything else that's happening is that there is no one size fits all solution. And so we really need to see a spectrum of solutions and there is no one right way to do anything. There are, you know, goals and objectives and there are a number of different ways to get there. So depending on how you think, depending on how you, how you process information, how you learn, you know, all of those things need to come into play and we really need to be more creative and empathetic about how we find solutions to problems. And we're living that every day right now, you know, with this pandemic. And we have people who get locked into a certain way of thinking and we say, okay, but now we know this, we need to adapt to this new reality. And we need to be a bit more fluid and a bit more accepting of change and how we process that change as well. So, so true. Oh. Oh, there you are, Chelsea. So are you enjoying your uh, beach stay Chelsea? 
Yeah, we uh, we just got to our cabin yesterday. We just this is our first cabin my husband and I had. Uh, we brought our three kids up here yesterday. We were so excited. I did all the things. I went to Costco. I packed up me and the kids' clothes and all their bajillion toys. And, and then me and my husband realized, oh, my God, we have to take two cars. And then on the ride up, my car broke down. So then I had to call my dad to come and pick me up. And it was this – anyways, we're here. We're settled. No one got much sleep last night, but it's quiet. The beach water is warm. It's a beautiful day. And yeah, just, it's going to be fantastic. We're very excited to get away from the hustle and bustle and just, you know, let the kids be kids and it'll be a nice break for everybody. So yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, when you're on a holiday like that, right. It doesn't seem that everything else is going on in the world. It doesn't seem like yeah. there's a COVID pandemic. So enjoy. Exactly. Enjoy yeah. for the week. Oh, so Thank nice you. We will. Finally meet you. And please, you know, you hop, on, hop on the call anytime. So Wonderful. thank you. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Thank you so much, Carmen. It's great to see you again. And wow, so proud under this. And, you know, let's keep, let's keep a relationship because really, you know, we're all here too to, to help and support organizations like, you know, yourselves and Robin. We all love you. My guys think that you're a hoot. So I, I think that we need to we need to do like a comedy show with you. So yeah, you, you know, laughter is the best medicine, right? And you seem to know us all so well. So hey, you know, and then we'll just have Susie as your dry sidekick. You know, she'll just come in and blurt and say how it is. <laughs> have you been, have your boys been watching Fit and Fun for Mental Health? Yeah, I know. We'll yeah. just turn that into a show. Hey. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to be discovered. I'm, okay. I'm waiting for Ellen to call and go. I know. Yeah. Oh, my God. And so nice to meet you, Joanne. And, uh, yeah, you know, again, like to love, love to have you drop in and keep us all informed with all the, you know, different things and different learning tools that we can use with our children. And, of course, Allie, we love you. Okay? So your next project, let me know. I always like to support. Okay? And uh, next week, well, we might have, I'm hoping, uh, a new mom. She just had her baby boy, uh, well, it'll be two weeks ago. And another lady that will be delivering in September. So we can all go back or, you know, or look back on our own pregnancies and all the crazy things and, like, what is it like now to raise a child? Well, we know we have good support systems with KidThink and, and Robin Brady, so ready to change the world in education and help. But uh, yeah, so some interesting uh, things to think about for next week. So have a great week and enjoy the sunshine and stay safe, stay healthy. Love you all. We'll see you on Tuesday. Bye-bye. Take care, Tracy. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of iLikeQ.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.